Cheap Talk in Another World. Hey, this is Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick, and you're listening to Cheap Talk. It's time for some Cheap Talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. In Another World. Are you excited, Brian? Yes. Welcome back to Cheap Talk, your podcast full of cheap trick. I'm one of your hosts here today, and as per usual, I'm joined by Brian Cramp. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Hello there, ladies and gents. And another fine fellow is here. It is the one, the only, Pat Francis from The Rock Solid Podcast. Good morning, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. It is always great to have you around, Pat. Today, we are talking about the 20th studio album from the wonderful American band Cheap Trick. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. We have a brand new Cheap Trick record. It is 2021, and we made it. We made it through all the troubles. Here we are, and we have new music to reward us. Let's talk a little bit about this album. Pat, what are your initial thoughts on this album before we do the track by track? Well, first of all, before you even listen to any album, you see the cover artwork. And this is their weakest cover to date, in my opinion. A lazy effort that does not fully express what's inside the album. When I saw this, I thought it was a joke this album cover it looked like a placeholder it, yes it just looked like oh coming soon this is the title but i mean it's got a little bit of wayne's world there with the uh with the you know it's got a little bit of the cars panorama i, I just i'm really i i can't i can't tell you with a title in another world how many different things you could do i mean someone asked me the other day well What's a better album cover, this or Woke Up With a Monster? And I said, well, if you take the classic logo and put it on the front of Woke Up With a Monster instead of what they used, then at least that's an album cover where someone had a direction and tried something. I go, this, I'm so disappointed about how this would look if this was in the record racks, you know, if I was a teenager. I would have been like, what the, what? So anyway, that, that, there's, your, there's, a, there's a negative way to start the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show, Pat Francis. Send all hate mail to Pat Francis, care of the Rock Solid Podcast. <laughs> I'm just so bummed out with that cover art. I swear to God. It's it's just really bad computer graphics, like as if they used a computer from 1998 or something right, to create I mean, it. So, sorry to start on a negative. I think one thing that might make, just make it look amateurish is what it, the other things it looks like, which I haven't really been able to pinpoint, but when you see it, it, it conjures up in your mind. Just It just looks like what a lot of things we've seen before. Well, maybe it's just another cheap trick. That just, yeah, it just, it doesn't look like an album cover. It looks like a little, the little square you might see on a YouTube video or something, you know? But isn't that where we're at now? Right. I mean, I hate to say it, but that is where we're at now. You know, we're more worried about what it looks like on Spotify yeah, most people are going to see this as a little square on their phone, right? Yeah, yeah, and I get and and I guess if that was the thinking, then yeah, I, I think... wonder if if the instruction was just like we want something to do with we want the checkerboard and like the planet Earth or something. 
Yeah, and then somebody just like, okay. Here you go. You know, opened up Photoshop for like Photoshop one. <laughs> like the and first then... Photoshop that was released on their old computer and you know made this. Now hold on a second. I gotta I gotta give a little love to the graphic artist, okay? You may think that it's simple to make this. <laughs> oh yeah, it, Ken does stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I do for a living. I can understand the design. But it's just not iconic. That's really what we're saying. Let's be honest. We want an iconic image that's going to look great on a T-shirt. Yeah. You know, that's what we want. That's what we want. We want to open up that record and we want this thing to blow us away. Like we, I want to look at the all the weird stuff that might be on the cover. Like if you got the All Shook Up album and you took that out and you saw all this weird stuff on the sleeve, right? We want that. And it's 2021. I'm just glad to be alive and vaccinated, right? So, you know, <laughs> by the way, in order to do this podcast, all three of us had to be vaccinated. So, yay, here we are. Yes, that's so true. The cover reminds me of Now That's What I Call Cheap Trick. Do you know those Now That's What I Call Music albums? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what this cover reminds me of. Now that's what I call cheap trick. Maybe that's yeah. what they're trying to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> it looks like, okay, every month this comes out. Here you go. This is the thing. Now that's what I call cheap trick, which, be honest, I'd buy that album. So anyway. Right. Well, now we see that the CD in the U.S. is coming in a digipack. Not sure what our friends in Japan are going to be getting. The booklet inside is more what I would have picked as far as a cover. It is the same thing up against a dark version of the cover of a black background. After seeing it laid out, it looks better than the front cover looks. And the booklet has a really cool pic of the band with their fans. And this album has some themes. First, the last couple of years that we've been through. Second, rock and roll. And third, the band's relationship to their fans. And that pick inside sums us all up. So seeing the digipack laid out, it is pretty cool. So whether we like the album cover or not, I'm going to just flip my cards. I love this album. I think that it's great. We're going to get into it track by track. We just wish that the cover would have been more representative yes. of, of what the music is. Because the music is so damn good. So... Uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this brand new album from Cheap Trick. There's a couple things that I want to say right off the top. Any samples that we use to discuss the album might be a chorus or a guitar solo or something. You are not going to get a full track on this show. What we're doing is telling you to go buy this album or check it out. You can do that on YouTube, Spotify, wherever, or you can actually purchase the damn thing like we did. So <laughs> it's it's a great record, but you're going to have to decide that. So any of the samples that we play on this show are strictly to show you something about the music. The other thing is, depending on how sensitive you are, this may not be your favorite Cheap Talk episode, or it may be your favorite. So I'm just going to put that out there and that... Uh, the hosts all speak for themselves or for one another sometimes. So here we go. Fair to say, Brian? Don't be a snowflake. Don't be a snowflake. All right. <laughs> so, Pat, what do you want to tell us about this album as far as a brand new album from Cheap Trick? I will tell you, overall, I like this album better than the other two most uh, recent studio releases, Bang Zoom, Crazy, Hello, and We're All All Right. I 
I for sure like this album better than those two. And I'm I'm not including the Christmas album because it's a Christmas album and it that stands on its own. Right. So that's that's the first thing positive thing I'll say. Those other two albums just never gelled with me as a Cheap Trick fan. And again, uh, as you guys know, I'm here because Cheap Trick is my favorite band, and I'm always excited when there's a new Cheap Trick release. And but I'm not one of these fans that's all in and everything's fantastic and everything's great because I don't like fans like that. I like an honest fan. And if I'm being honest about Bang Zoom Crazy Hello and we're all all right, I just didn't feel like the songs were quite there. And um, yeah, and and it's hard for me to even make uh, a compilation CD of those two albums together and get something that I enjoy. So it's just it just didn't work for me. And I I don't know if I gave you the answer you wanted. <laughs> I look at the last two albums as being like 80 percenters, 75 percenters in the sense that, uh, you know, there are some cheap trick albums that are 100 percenters, right? Right. And then there's some that are like 80, 75 percent and 70 percent. And though I love a lot of stuff on them, I just want it to be like all those iconic classic albums, it's hard to reach into the hat and pull the rabbit out and make it amazing each time. You know, I understand that as anyone who produces any kind of content, you know that you're not always going to hit a home run, but I will say that cheap tricks batting average has been pretty damn good over their career. Brian, your take. Well, I mean, I agree with Pat about the last two albums. I guess we've gone over that on this podcast before. And I think the reason is the main reason is which we talk we've talked about before, but you know the reason people are listening to this podcast and the reason Cheap Trick is our favorite band, or in Ken's case, one of his favorite bands, is um. Well, Ari, the Beatles know, happen to happen to have existed, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a reason that Cheap Trick's our favorite band because they're different. So when you hear a Cheap Trick song, you know it's a cheap. There's something about it. There are things about it that make it different, that make it a cheap trick song. And that's the main thing that's missing from those last two records is if you look at songs like When I Wake Up Tomorrow or Mm -hmm. No Direction Home or You Got It Going On, these songs don't have any, they're generic rock songs. They don't sound like cheap trick. They don't have the identifiable, if you want to call it quirks or flourishes or, you know, just different unique elements that make Cheap Trick special to us. Most of that seemed to have been missing from those last two records, and they were just kind of generic, and they weren't terrible in terms of a generic rock album, but as a Cheap Trick album, they just didn't, you know, they didn't do it for me, and I've never listened to those records. I don't, I've, the last time I listened to them might have been when we reviewed them for this podcast. I mean, I've never put those records on. Yeah, it's so. very difficult. Now, when a new Cheap Trick record comes out, like in another world, it will make me go back and revisit those two. And because in my head, I'm like, well, maybe did I miss something last time? Am I gonna, am mm-hmm. I, am I gonna love them this time? Am I gonna put on uh, Bang Zoom Crazy Hello and be like, oh man, I do love this. You know, sometimes a new album will make you rethink a couple of the old albums, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but for for now, I, I I'm not ready to put those other two albums on yet. And there are yeah. ebbs and flows. Like Cheap Trick '97 is amazing, mm-hmm. 
And then special one. No, nope. I liked yeah. it. I liked it. I like special one. It has cheap trick elements on there for sure. Like you were just saying, BJ, but mm-hmm. it's not as good as cheap trick 97. Yeah. But some of that also is you're living in the shadow cheap trick 97. I mean, come on, you, you know, right, right. But, but then, but then with Rockford, they, they stepped it right back up. I mean, that was a, a killer album. And then the latest is good, but not as good as Rockford. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's, there are ebbs and flows, but then, but then to be hit with the, the boom, boom, you know, of bang, zoom, crazy, hello. And we're all all right. And then the Christmas album, you, it was, I was just like, where is my band? What is happening to my band? So on the other hand, I'm going to flip that over and say two things. A, Brian, you're completely wrong on When I Wake Up Tomorrow. Love that song. It's almost like them trying to do like a Bowie kind of a thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, does it sound like a Cheap Trick song, though? Well, no. Right. That's what I said. No, but then again, there are some songs that have become Cheap Trick songs that didn't sound like Cheap Trick songs when we first heard them. Like, there's certain songs off of... Um, one-on-one, for example. You know what I mean? The first time you might have heard something, you're like, that's Cheap Trick? So that that can happen, right? But I, I love that song. Anyway, the other thing is that songs are often victims of, uh, or they are rewarded by what you hear around them, right? Like, for example, how an album can make a song more lovable by what's on in in front of it and behind it right as far as tracking order you see what i'm saying so i am just thrilled to have this album and i don't know exactly what the difference is but you know there's that song you got it going on well this this album has it going on so (laughs) at least in my opinion (laughs) i agree so let's kick off with the first song the summer looks good on you. The Summer Looks Good On You, this is something that we've had for quite a while now. It was released on May 18th, 2018. So this album has been sitting around parts of it, and I don't know how much has been worked on up till now, but this whole album, I just want to say this, and I know that this can't be the thing. It can't be, right? Is this a situation where, like, someone tells you Paul is dead, so then you start looking for clues, or you start seeing clues that Paul is dead, right? (laughs) Going back to the Beatles? But I swear to God that parts of this album are written about the last year politically, the last year going through the pandemic. We're going to talk about that as each individual track comes on. Pat Francis, your thoughts on this single, the kickoff track of In Another World, The Summer Looks Good on You. Well, when they dropped this as a digital single in 2018, I 
I was so happy because I really loved this song and I thought it was better than what had preceded it. Sorry to bring that up again. But I was so, I love the song. I still love the song. Um, I, I was happy it was on the album, but not happy that it was the, the kickoff track. Um, because I like to have, I, I'm a physical uh, media guy. So mm-hmm. it's great that I, it's, this is on a, a, a CD for me or an album for someone else. But uh, I, I love the song. I love the acapella opening. I mean, it harkens back to when they would do that with Up the Creek and other songs. And um, and it works as an opening track. I just wish it wasn't the opening track. Mm, interesting. BJ, your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't like this song when it came out. Uh, mainly, I don't like the chorus, I guess. Like, I like the opening riff. And uh, mm-hmm. I love the guitar on the verse. I don't really think the verse vocal melody is that great. But yeah, Rick's guitar is great. You know, that's it sounds like Rick Nielsen riffs at least, you know, which a lot of the last couple albums you didn't really I didn't really have that reaction. But yeah, I completely agree that it's really unfortunate this is the opening track on the album. It's crazy that that's almost three years ago that this came out now. Um you know, and uh yeah, I <laughs> I wrote a joke here that, you know, this this album holds the rare distinction. Not a lot of bands could say this about their album throughout history, that the first song is the worst song. <laughs> Usually you put a really great track as the first song. And to me, this is the worst song on the record. So, uh, But also, I had a lot more time to, to digest this one. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I, I never... This song measures up more to the last couple albums than it does to the rest of what we're going to hear, in my opinion. Interesting. I wonder if it's first then to get it to get it out of the way to get it as a as a bridge from those albums into this album, right? Right. I don't know. It's a transition. <laughs> yeah, I love it though. <laughs> well, you know, I'm joining you, Pat. And a couple days ago, we were talking about this song, and I said, um, "Not the biggest fan of this song," and I did not like the acapella opening. The other day I was listening to it and it clicked and I'll tell you why, because that acapella opening, it goes back to the same vocal arrangement that they use in the house is rocking from dream police with the heavy, heavy, heavy troubles. Yeah. So they do that same trick. So it's cheap trick doing that thing where they're referencing what they've done before. You know what I mean? That's one of the things I love about the band. Speaking of referencing what they've done before, you've got that psycho uh, dream police solo type thing during the solo. The solo is really good. The opening riff is really ACD. How do you? How would you say that? ACDC ish. Yes, ACDC ish. It's early tough. yet. Yeah, that's tough. Ooh, that's tough. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but but uh, it, it's got that stomp, right? I almost would have liked to hear ACDC do this song, but they're never going to sing a song about how the summer looks good on you. You know, they might say how good the night looks on you. That's the difference between Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick has those elements of brightness. You know, ACDC sings about Night Prowler. So anyway, it's just a different kind of a thing. If I was doing a, a traditional vinyl album sequencing this song would have kicked off side two for me Mm. interesting i think it's just that phrase the summer looks good on you from the jump turns me off because it's like it's a tropicana 
commercial <laughs> or something. I yeah. just don't like that. I don't like that line at all for a cheap trick song. Uh, it just seems really lame to me. I, so I think that was a bad starting point. Was just the title that 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 line. I don't know. Maybe the song should be called "Here Comes the Summer." Could be, but I'm gonna do you guys one better. It sounds like one of the '80s soundtrack songs. Yeah, yeah, it does. Doesn't it sound like something you'd see on a movie starring Val Kilmer that's playing on HBO incessantly? Yeah, yes, uh, sure. 100%. And that might be why I like it because, I mean, that's, you know, for me, you know, Spring Break and Heavy Metal and Roadie, all those songs that Cheap Trick did for those soundtracks, I just, I just love them so much. Yeah. My favorite lyrics in this song, and as I said earlier, they can't be talking about COVID, right? This has to be me filling in those blanks in my own psyche. But my favorite lyrics are, I want to see you shine again. I want to see you smile again. I want to see you love again for you. What a great lyric. That is great. Not for me. I want you to feel good. So the song really, you know, it, when you first hear it, it sounds like one of these, like, uh, what was the song off the second, uh, the, uh, we're all, all right with like, uh, you got it going on, right? When you first hear this song, the summer looks good on you. You're thinking you got it going on part two, right? No, that's not what this song is saying though. It's saying that this person that you care about, you want to see them shine again for them, not for you, but for them. So the song really has blossomed. And especially coming on the other end of COVID and looking forward to a better summer, hopefully. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love this song and I didn't care for it when it first came out. It's definitely growing on me. So kick off that album. I'm happy to have it. Bring it. And that song is definitely, even though um, Ken is interpreting the lyrics uh, for us as post-COVID stuff, that's that's definitely, I just want to nail it home, that that's definitely a pre-COVID song since we had that in 2018. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Cool. 100%. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of like the difference between uh, well, it's like that old song, you know, singing my whole life and his songs, you know, that song. Killing Me Softly? Yes, Killing Me Softly. In this way, it's making me feel good. <laughs> so it, it's just interesting how certain lyrics can fit a certain time. And um, that's been all through my life, you know, prior to COVID. And it will be after, you know, the next chapter of my life, if you will. But I definitely can see some hope in this song for me. So, and I, and I will take every bit of hope I can get. I don't know about you guys, Brian, your thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle on that one. Um, pretty much a thumbs down. Okay. On that one. Pat and I give it two thumbs up yes. and, a, and we give the finger to Brian. No, we don't need to be. <laughs> don't be mean. Ken. Our second track is quit waking me up. There's nothing. 
Cramp, your thoughts on Quit Waking Me Up? Well, you know, first listen, I I think I probably hit the skip button at some point in the first song. And then this blasts on, and it was just like, holy shit. And, you know, we get horns here, or synthesizer horns, I don't know. They really work. They really work in this song. It's so poppy, and I I don't know how anyone could resist this. Amazingly hooky verse. The bridge is so catchy, and then the chorus is huge. Uh, uh, we get a great Rick Nielsen like answer vocal part in the chorus, which is something I always love. Is Rick's little background vocal things. There's a callback to Surrender when they mm-hmm. repeat sound after the chorus. Uh, the g- Rick's guitar parts. Uh, he's got these killer, you know, guitar licks. Uh, the 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 second verse is kind of trippy. You know, I have been losing my patience with Julian Raymond after those last couple albums, but the production on this song is spectacular. It's brilliant. I love this song. It's amazing. Perfect pop song, and it has a lot of the elements of Cheap Trick that we love. Unbelievable. I was so surprised and excited when I heard this song because I was not expecting. I had very low expectations for this album considering... Where at what point we're at in Cheap Trick's career, just in terms of the last couple albums. And so I had very low expectations. And right out of the gate hearing this, I was blown away. I love this song. Really love it. Mm-hmm. Pat Francis. It's got a great solo. It, uh, it has some Beatles elements in it to me. It sounds Beatles-ish. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I do like the song very much. Yes. BJ brought up Julian Raymond, and so I guess I'm going to jump in right now. And um, please move on from this guy after this. Work with Brendan O'Brien. Work with someone. I know there's many, many people and producers who cite Cheap Trick as an influence or 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 a band they grew up with or loved. And I just wish they would get off the Julian Raymond track because I just feel he's like a yes man. They say, "What about this?" And he's like, "Great." But they're still not being pushed the way they could be pushed in uh, in the twilight of their career. And I wish I wish they would get a new producer that would do that. So that's my Julian Raymond rant again. <laughs> yes, I like said the song. I do like the song, though. We're two. We're two for two for me. We're two for two. This song is so good. It, it makes a two for two <laughs> for me. This song is double. that's good very good i love this song it uh, harkens back to a very english inspired stomp if you will 
uh, a little tip of the hat to Roy Wood's kind of style of writing, you know, which they covered Blackberry Way. This is their kind of a thing, right? And I love the Englishness of it, if you will. My fave lyrics is, it's always the fast ones that leave a scar. She leaves you wanting more. She'll just do it like there's nothing to it. The bedding's all over the floor, all around, all around, all around. I really like Rick's solos on this. It reminds me of the solos off the 97 album, seriously. Mm -hmm. Great tone. Great. Yeah, absolutely biting. And uh, as we've talked more, we need more Rick Nielsen quirky background vocals, and we get them. He's kind of angry with that, quit waking me up kind of a thing, you know? I know. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's It almost reminds me it's as quirky as in that one song, a little bit more with a little, you know, that, mm-hmm. that quirkiness. But love Rick's background vocals. This song, believe it or not, uh, I like rap, but I'm not the biggest fan of rap, right? So when I watched Hamilton, uh, the thing I absolutely loved was the King George song. You know what I'm talking about? You'll be back. That song. This song kind of it's it's as English as this one. You know what I mean? So I really I really dig the quirkiness of "Quit Waking Me Up," and it's weird because it's it's like the Beatles. I'm only sleeping, but really happy. Whereas that song was like, yawn, please don't wake me, don't bother me kind of thing. But this is a happy song about being woken up, if you will. It sounds happy, even though Rick's uh, kind of in the other ear. You know what I mean? But they don't want to wake up to some realities. So like, far out, man. I dig this song. So it's a, it, it's a threefer. It's a threefer. A threefer, which is not a category on Pornhub. But maybe it should be. I don't know. <laughs> Mileage will vary. Now, the next song is called Another World. This may be, and it's hard to say this right now, but this may be my favorite song on the album because there's so many damn good songs on this album. Pat Francis, what are your thoughts on track three, Another World? Okay, I have a lot to say about track three, so bear with me. I am bearing with you, as the saying goes. 
first of all, uh, when the album's called In Another World, I wish this song was called In Another World or that the album was called Another World. That's just nitpicky and I'll move on. But <laughs> but this is this is the title track, right? For all intents and purposes. All right. Here's here's what I this is a lot. Are you ready? I love this song. Love it. Love it. Love it. I wish that this there's another track of the album. Track 11 is another world reprise would, would have. And again, this is a lot. I would have called this one another world reprise and put it where track 11 is. I would have called track 11 just another world. And I would have opened the album with that version because it's it's a fast version of this song. I know that's hard to follow if you're listening to this and you haven't heard the album. That was my overarching thing when I listened to this album. I'm like, oh, I wish the fast version was the opening track. And then this version was deeper in the album and it would have been the reprise. But that's just me. Maybe I don't even know what a reprise means. But this is definitely a lockdown song. It has some Beatle-like elements. A nice solo. It's a positive song. And it's a 10 out of 10 for me. And it might be my favorite song too. Both versions. Mm, fantastic. On the uh, Monkees album, Good Times, they did a song called Me and Magdalena. And there was two different versions. One was slow and heartfelt and poignant. Right. And then there was another one that sounded more like the Bare Naked Ladies covering the song. It was kind of bouncy and up. You know what I mean? Right. So it, this is kind of the situation that we're in here. Brian Cramp, your thoughts on track three, Another World. It's great on every level. Wonderful melody. It's kind of a cathartic song. That's the thing I wish we knew for sure. I But I think all of this stuff was written before the pandemic, written and recorded as far as what we've been told. So, um, it's hard to not interpret this as a pandemic song, right? Right. But I think that's just because even in 2018, it was already so fucking bad with Trump that, you know, they wrote this song before the worst of it even happened. It starts out, he says, you say you've had it. Now I know it's bad. These are the worst times that we've ever had. So, of course, you think this is about the last year we just went through. But if it was written before that, then it's just about how bad it was even before. Right. So yeah. what we've all gone through, I mean, does do we all have PTSD at this point after what we've just gone through and thinking about a song like this written about how bad it was even before what just the worst year ever. Right. Even before the nightmare of the election and everything that we've gone through. So you've got the pandemic and the election. It's just all un such a nightmare. You think this song's got to be about that. If it was written before that, it's just like, look how bad it was even before. So this song is so therapeutic. It's so, I mean, I interpret it as a protest song. I interpret it as an anti-Trump song. So that's what this song is about to me. It's because, you know, like he says, um, it's been so hard of late, so tired, I can't keep straight with all this hate. I mean, what else is that about? It's about the nightmare that we've been put through. With, so that's what I interpret this song as being about. It's about the horrible situation we were in with the nightmare even before the nightmare of covid well let me flip the switch then a little bit i'm totally on board with you guys politically all that stuff but there are cheap trick fans that 
our Trump supporters, would they hear this song and feel the same things, BJ, but in the reverse? This is very tricky when you're an artist. Like, do you, does Cheap Trick not want those people at their shows? Or do they want everyone there together enjoying Cheap Trick music? How hard do you hit the nail on the head that's going to drive away uh, fans and potential, you know, monetary gain? You know what I'm saying? If you pretended you were a Trump fan right now, uh, and, and could you listen to this song and twist these words to fit the Trump agenda? In case you're still listening, welcome to a very special <laughs> episode of Cheap Talk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's, it's commendable. I mean, yeah. it shouldn't be brave for Cheap Trick to say, this is bad. What the hell is this country turned into? Because who wouldn't be thinking that after what we've just right. gone through? Exactly. But yeah, in, in the world we live in with these, they, they hate cancel culture, though. <laughs> They're really against cancel culture. You know, unless it's the fucking Dixie Chicks, how long ago they were canceling the Dixie Chicks, you know, over nothing. Yeah. To your point, Pat, as far as do you want those kind of people at your show? Do you want those kind of people listening to this podcast, for example? Sometimes people on the left and the right get upset with people that talk about the middle, right? Right. And sometimes there's good reason for that, and sometimes there's not. Like, for example, the appeal right now to the middle is not saying, bring your hate, your prejudices, and we'll all make that one tent. What they're saying is, leave that out at the door. And those people who have given up on politics, those people who have given up on hope, that's what the middle is to me. When some politicians are saying the middle, that's what they're saying. Right. Well, this song is acknowledging the way I feel, which I don't feel a whole lot of hope. And you don't hear a whole lot of hope in this song. The song kind of says, yeah, this is fucking bad and maybe we'll get out of this, but it's not saying we're going to. And right. I don't feel good about the future, personally. You know, the goal now is to stop people from voting because they can't win elections. Their only hope is to suppress votes. And that's what they're working through all over the country right now. That's the reason I don't feel a lot of hope because I'm watching this and I know what they're up to and they want to, you know, dismantle our democracy. So it's not a hopeful song, right? Do you guys hear a lot of hope in this? It's more like it's more like well, this I is how it's it like, I hope maybe there's another world, but it's not saying there is, you know, it's it's wishing more than hoping. Well, it's also talking about Another world in the sense that the way things were before and the way they are now and hopefully the way they will be. Now let's get back to the song. Okay. <laughs> the song Another World. I think this is such an amazing song and the Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick's management, anyone that can get in this to their head, this song needs to be a video. And I don't mean a video of them just walking in shadows. It needs to be... One of those videos where you see people getting up and looking at pictures of their kids and doing the things that they have to do. This is such a strong, strong song that can get you pretty far down the road if you can do this right. It is amazing. Yes. And I don't think it would cost that much. This song needs to be a video. I'm sure that when this song was written, we are not in the COVID crisis and that we would have lost all that we have lost because we have lost people. I mean, actual people. Hundreds of thousands of people with anti-mask stupidity 
if we had any leadership and if we had people who would cooperate and work together, hundreds of thousands of people could still be alive, killed many, many Americans who didn't have to die. Just wanted to add that to what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I love uh, I love uh, the passion in BJ and uh, and I feel like I started this. Next song? <laughs> well, not yet. I still haven't finished talking <laughs> Sorry, about <yet>. the song. <laughs> you know, to your to your point, gentlemen, when I had Dax and Miles on the show with Tracy. So great. Such a great I love that episode. I love those guys. They were so so funny. fantastic. Yeah. We talked about the Black Lives Matter and how Cheap Trick as a band decided on their social media to put up a black placeholder you know mm -hmm. as far as a picture in support and a lot of people got upset yeah a lot of our artists whether it be bob dylan or john lennon or bono from u2 you know little steven right bruce springsteen on and on and on rock and roll has always been about the rebel in a lot of ways and i'm not talking about some southern affectation or whatever i'm talking about being wild and everything Somehow or another, some political movements feel that they get to co-opt that. You know, they think that they're the hippies. They think that they're the crazy free rockers when in reality, they're anti. Let me put it this way. In 2021, Cheap Trick gets in trouble for doing what they would have done in 1977. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the band hasn't changed. Like if John Lennon were alive today... He would be supporting Black Lives Matter. He would be all of this stuff, right? He wouldn't be on the side of, I think we should get a logo and wear it as a cape. Well, it was years ago that Robin said they were asked to play the Republican National Convention. And he's like, we would have had to get swastika guitars made. And, you know, and Bunny, Bunny Carlos came out against Trump on his Facebook page, probably right during the election. And of course, there were tons of snowflakes who were wanted to cancel him. I can't listen to Cheap Trick anymore, blah, blah, you know. Right, right. So it's a thing, folks. It's not us. It's not just them. It's the world. And, you know, if you're going to listen to those crazy rock and rollers, you sometimes got to take what they say and you got to figure out how to live with it. So enjoy. As far as the song Another World, it's a beautiful, poignant track. Amazing. Amazing. The line in it that just really jumps out at me with all this hate, just come inside. Out of the blues, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. It makes me cry. It's made me cry more than once. So, fantastic song. Again, another threefer. Is this your favorite song on the album all the way around? Uh, it's one of them. There's a few that are... Yeah, I'm not even sure which one is my favorite. Okay, well... <laughs> which so is a great thing. It yeah, that's, that's, that's a great thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, for sure. Up next is the fourth single off the album. This one was released March 12th, Boys and Girls and Rock and Roll.
Brian Cramp, your thoughts on boys and girls and rock and roll. This one has definitely grew on me after the first couple times of hearing it. Cool riffs. You know, there's a demo back from the 90s called Rolling Stoned that some of the music is from. Mm-hmm. Very Rick sounding guitar. And of course, you know, Please Don't Ever Let Me Go, the the bridge. There was a song called Don't Ever Let Me Go that they never released, which became uh, If You Need Me, I'm Busted. So I don't know if they lifted that from that or if that just fit or whatever. This is one of those songs where the chorus doesn't hit until after the second verse. And man, the chorus is great. The chorus is the part that's really growing on me. Um, melodically, it's great. And there's an ah. There's like the ahs during the chorus that really work well. Like uh, Pat said, move on from Julian Raymond, which I've totally been on board with that after the last couple albums. But I think the production on this record is really great. Uh, the guitar tone is great. And there's certain little things throughout the record that are added that really work and really add to the songs. So I, I give Julian Raymond props for the work done on this record because I think it's really, really, really well done. Congratulations, Julian. It only took you four <laughs> records to get it right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but there's been some great stuff in there. There really has. Ken is so positive. <laughs> well, no, it's just that, like I said, some of those albums are 70 percenters or 75 percenters. The the thing is, is we're used to 100 or 80 percent, you know, or 90 percent batting it out all the time. And right. You know, so when something you love so much is giving you, let's say, a B, it's still a B. That's still better than half the albums that I've bought this year. You know what I mean? So, right. I know, but then I have to look at, okay, what's the element that's making it a 75 percenter? What's, mm-hmm. It must be this guy because he's the new element in the mix. Well, well, let me ask you this. Since we're so positive about this album, I was going to ask this question at the end, but this seems like a good time for it. Do you think that they had the extra time to maybe tweak this between 2018 and now? Yes. I Yeah, yeah I, I do think point. that's a big, a big, mm-hmm. instead of saying, okay, guys, I think we're done. Let's push it out there. I think they were like, well, let's sit with this a little bit. So yeah. yeah, because there's a lot of little stuff added. There's a lot put on top that really works, which, yeah, it seems like there was thought put into it. It wasn't just, let's try this, let's throw this in there, because the stuff works. The the extra stuff they do, like the horns that quit waking me up, or different stuff that we might talk about later, it works. And yeah, it's extra. There There's flourishes and things thrown in. And yeah, that makes sense if they've been just like kind of adding on top of what they already had done a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Cause when you're under the gun on a release date or an upcoming tour, it's like, Hey, we don't have any more time. This, this has to be it. But now that, that they've mm-hmm. had the time, they can wake up in the middle of the night and go, you know, what would really work on this song and then lay it down and, and, you know, email it and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a good point, Ken. So there's something that maybe it's not just Julian Raymond, but maybe it's the fact that, you know, 
Cheap Trick rightfully uh, inherited the title from James Brown as the hardest working man in show business to one of the hardest working bands in show business. If this band is not on the road, you know, it's like the old thing about a shark. If a shark stops swimming, it dies, right? <laughs> We're, I was yeah. kind of worried what's going to happen to Cheap yeah. Trick if they're not able to tour it because this is a rarity for them. Yeah, that's yeah. their identity. Yeah, that's what they are. Is the road warriors. Yeah. You know, they're the road warriors, the road dogs. So it's interesting. I wonder if the things that are really firing on this album for us is because they had the extra time. So I just, um, and I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. I just don't want Cheap Trick to close out their career with Julian Raymond being their George Martin. I I want them to go work with someone else next. Or how about this? Instead of George Martin, what about um, using the Beatles as an analogy, Jeff Lynne? Because isn't that kind of where we're at at this point? I, yeah, sure. Yes. Like, for example, I love Jeff Lynne, but that sound that he brought to Tom Petty, George Harrison, and the Beatles, it was that sound. I don't know how yeah. else to describe it, but it had a certain sound. And while it was great to get new music from the Beatles, Tom Petty, George Harrison, the Traveling Wilburys, it was that Jeff Lynne sound. And there's some things that it works better on, but not every... Like, for example, if he would have done Johnny Cash, it would have sounded like a Jeff Lynne album. Yeah, he did a Brian Adams album like three years ago, and it sounds like Brian Adams singing for the Wilburys. Yeah, no, actually, his his sound is so overpowering on other artists. It's um, it either works or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that can also be track by track. So anyway, right. enough about that. But Julian, I'm digging what you're doing on this album. So uh, not that he's listening, but anyway, uh, as far as the song, (laughs) Boys and Girls and Rock and Roll, this is the fourth single. I really like the unusual guitar tone and phrasing at the beginning. Uh, Then the pre-chorus hits and it shifts to regular cheap trick style riffing. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like that part where it goes, please don't have a lap. You know that part, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the chorus is just sublime, and it's it's almost like they make you wait for it, right, BJ? It, it's like they 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 don't hit you with the chorus right away. It takes a long time to get there. Yeah, they used to do that. Did like listen to um, "Come On, Come On" on that on the yes. whiskey, uh, the "Out to Get You" that came out mm-hmm. the record store day. Listen to that. That's how they used to do, it. and that's I because I think they did the whiskey right before they recorded the album, and Tom Werman was the guy who was like. You got to get to the chorus earlier. Tighten it up. Yeah. So listen to Come On, Come On on there. They don't do the chorus until the end of the song. And that's the same thing they used to do with I Want You to Want Me. That used to be like, I don't know, Rick liked it that way. Mm-hmm. Don't Boris get to the chorus. Yeah. And speaking of Rick, his solo is almost bluesy on this. Like whoever would have thought we'd get Rick playing the blues in 2020 or 2019 or 2021. Uh, you know, it's 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 so good. Uh, my favorite line of the song, and it's something that even for us as reviewers, we need to realize, no matter how we feel about an album, take it easy. It's only rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, don't don't get butt hurt about people's thoughts. It's it's uh, take it easy. It's only rock and roll. <laughs> I love the interplay between the vocals and Rick's guitars, especially at the end. 
where Rick is like playing back at the vocal, you know, it's kind of like two birds fighting for airspace. It's great. Pat Francis, your thoughts on boys and girls and rock and roll, which sounds like an Ian Dury song. Boys and girls and rock and roll. Yeah, it should I got... have three ampersands, shouldn't it, in this song? Why is they there could. that N there? Yeah, there's two ampersands and an N. <laughs> the title is, is initially very generic for me, but I do yeah. like the song. I like Rick's guitar. I like the song, but some of the lyrics, I mean, this is, this is about groupies, right? Yeah, not, not a lot of thought. Uh, Not a, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's so it's a you know it's a little bit uh, it's easy subject matter and it's not what I would hope. I mean, coming off the heels of uh, maybe it's to lighten the mood within the uh, the sequencing of the album. Yeah, because it's coming after this really right. heavy song, right? But this just feels like and and again, I like this song, but it it just feels like something that is what a, a first time garage band writes lyrically. You know, let's write a song about, uh, you know, just, you know, rock and roll and limos and groupies. And they do throw the line in there, which is the wink, wink, take it easy. It's only rock and roll. So that's to put me at ease. Like, okay, they're in on the joke too. But, you know, so I do like it, but that's where I'm standing. See, I look at it as saying, I don't ever want to lose this really cool thing that we can be part of. We don't want to lose this rock and roll. We don't want to lose this uh, exchange between fans and the bands or the girls in, that like them and the guys that right. raise their hands. You know, they don't want to lose that. Yeah. That's why I think it's boys and girls and rock and roll. It's not just like Sweet Sweet Connie was doing her act, right? It's it's so much more than that. It's almost like the entirety of the Cheap Trick fandom, in a sense. Well, yeah. you know, what are, the chorus is... See what she's done to me, boys. She lays it down for me, boys. That those are just words to sing that sound good, but that's not. That's there's nothing else there except words that sound good, that to sing. Right. So. Yeah, they can leave this off the set list, is what I'm saying. Mm, okay. So thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs or up. Thumbs I, I I like it. Yeah, thumbs. Yeah. Up. I still give it thumbs up. I, I I still like it. It's just a little generic for me. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So I give it a thumbs up. So that's another three for, but kind of on a tinge there for Pat. So but still, <laughs> it's a three for. So he'll take it. A cranky thumbs up from Pat. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, Rick's background vocal and quit waking me up, right? Yeah. Cranky Rick, you know, <laughs> when all this happiness is bouncing around him. Track five, The Party. And I'm going to take lead on this one. This is kind of bizarre. It's almost like Cheap Trick doing a dance song, which they kind of have played with that a little bit. But it kind of starts off with a bounce that we don't normally hear. And Dax is doing this great slamming stuff. Pat Francis, what are your thoughts on the party? Is it a party or is it a flop? I wrote the party, colon, no party, don't like anything about it. Wow. Mm. Yeah. This is this is the first 
FF for me. Wow. Yeah, not into it. I think, and I, I don't, yeah, I don't like it. Are you a King's X fan? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Well, I can't say that I am or I'm not. I, I know, I know, I know the band title, but I, if a song came on, I wouldn't know it was them. I don't know their music. I love them. So Brian, your thoughts on the party. Are you going to show up at the party or? Yeah. You... Yeah. Am I invited? <laughs> yeah, of course you're invited. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it's it's weird in a cheap trick way, which is good. The guitar, it's obviously Rick Nielsen. Mm-hmm. There's these little Rick Nielsen r- riffing in there that and weird backing vocals. So what I was thinking is, you know, sometimes when a record is good, it elevates the album tracks yes. because they're part of that record, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't think this is a, I would never be like, I'm going to listen to the party and then just go put this song on. But if I'm listening to this record and and when this comes on, I'm into it, Uh, you know, as a part of the album, I like this. Uh, It sounds to me like they're, I'm not sure if someone else is singing on the chorus or if that's Robin doing or some, I am not sure. It sounds like there's some kind of other background vocals going on, maybe even female. Uh, It's hard to tell. There's something different about the vocals on the chorus, and I'm not sure if it's just Robin doing something or what. I mean, I think Robin is great on this song. I think Robin is great all over this album. That's one thing that makes it sound special to me is you get the Robin chameleon, the Mm -hmm. Robin adapting his voice to each song. I don't think we heard a lot of that on the last couple albums, the way we hear it here, where yeah, Robin is amazing on this record, and he fits his voice to each of these songs. And another thing I noticed when I was listening to this about is was how sometimes in this song Robin's vocal is put back in the mix and it really works. Like I I, I keep noticing on this record production and mix things that are done right, that are done well, and so I've been really impressed by everything about this album almost. And there's just little things like that that I've noticed and I'm like, yeah, that was smart, you know. And so yeah, I I enjoy this song a lot. I think especially as a part of the record. And I love the line, don't call me a doctor. You better call me a nurse. (laughs) That's a great line. Absolutely. When you first heard it, did you go, what is this? Yeah. It's well, it sounded like cheap trick though. I mean, I, I probably smiled when it came out because it was weird with that's You know, that's good. That's part of what you want from a cheap trick album is some weirdness, the quirkiness, the the oddity, the danger, the weirdness. Mm Mm-hmm. It's also Rick's guitar again. It's got that bluesy thing. Like I can almost hear Stevie Ray Vaughan doing the opening of this this song. You know what I mean? And Dax just fucking nails it. Some of the lyrics are: "It's strings of your heart and the beat of my soul. We always rearrange, let the melodies roll. It's a shame we had this distance. It's just too far away. I was lost in this wild dream. Okay, when I woke up today, when the party's over, will you be back again?" It's not the same to hear the sound without you, my friend. And I feel that this is almost a song to Cheap Trick's audience. Like, will you be there when I wake up tomorrow? Oh, sorry. That's the other <laughs> album. Like, when we're able to get back, we hope to see you, right? That's the party. Well, you referenced earlier, you referenced one more from Rockford. The little bit more. That yes. song. This is mm-hmm. kind of that for this album. Yes. Right. You know? Yes. Yes. 
the solo is awesome. You mentioned some of the weird sounds going throughout this song. I swear I hear an audience during Rick's solo. Do you hear that? Mm, I didn't notice. Like, for example, on Dream Police, the album, there's a couple times where you hear, like, an audience just appear. And they even have the part where it goes, all right, Tokyo, you know, that part. Um, there's some of that going on throughout this. I swear I hear an audience crowd a couple times through this album. It sounds like they're having fun. Yes, song, it does. You know? They're throwing a party, right? So it yeah. makes sense. Dax's drumming is so damn good during this song. It is it is on point. It's hoppy. It's great. This song is like they're waiting to get back on the road, and they hope that we will all be there when we get back to the regular world, whatever that is, right? But it uh, it really is a fun song and again it's like you mentioned brian it's not the song that you would pick as oh this is a song i love but because of where it hits in the album it earns its wheaties and it's lifted by the things around it yeah it works for me so pat thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle where are you uh yeah for me thumbs down for the party i just didn't it just didn't uh connect with me on any level pat is returning his uh, what is it? R R S V P did not coming, but Brian and I, we're, we're going to show up with our bow ties on. They'll be busting out. <laughs> so two thumbs up for Brian and I. Yeah. Up next track six, final days. Robin sings the blues. Francis, your thoughts on final days. Okay. This again, this, this, <laughs> this part of the album is the one, two punch for me that I, I don't like these songs back to back. I wrote, uh, I don't like anything. That's just this faux blues. I, I don't like, I don't really like when a pop rock band does a blues song. I, I'm not a blues fan and I, and I don't want to hear anyone do it. I don't want to listen to rock honking on Bobo that Aerosmith yeah. out. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that Rolling Stones most recent all blues album. It's just not my thing. So uh, this is this is another fast forward for me. I didn't like it. Brian Cramp. Well, I kind of like that these songs are together because it's I don't know. They're kind of to me, they kind of go together. Which unfortunately for Pat, they go together because <laughs> he doesn't like them. Right. Exactly. But, uh, I think this is a dark, weird song, so that's good. When when it, 
when a cheap trick song is dark and weird, that's already a good thing for me. The the Rick guitar lick on the verse that I love that. That's really good. You know, it I'm sounds almost as either. good as when you do it with your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a blues guy at all, but uh, I I like the chorus on this song. It's kind of like a sea shanty or something. Like I picture them swaying back and forth with mugs of beer that are spilling. You know, as they sing this song, uh, the chorus of this song. I like the chorus. I like. I don't know. Is this about climate change or something? There's a the you know what are the final days there's a line where he says um how could we still be living in final ways you know which exactly how are we still fucking doing this yeah it's dark and weird so and i like the chorus mm-hmm. yeah the verse you know that's pretty generic but the, it's got that little rick guitar flourish that is fun and then is this the first time we've heard harmonica on a cheap trick song um, yeah. but at the end, Rick is trading off yes. with the harmonica, with the guitar. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's a cool vibe at the end. It's, you know, it, it's dark. And uh, I like the end. So uh, I, I, I like that. The the harmonica and the guitar trading off is pretty cool, too. Now, Pat, you say you're not a big fan of Cheap Trick Sings the Blues, which would be an interesting album title. I would still buy that and I would still listen to it. But I <laughs> right. would. Right. They would really have to win me over on that. It would have to have a better cover than this. But uh, all, all, all of that aside, what do you think of Can't Hold On, the classic song? Now, for some reason, uh, that doesn't ring to me as generic blues. No. That's just like a cool, chill, mellow, slow groove for me. And I love Can't Hold On. Plus, it's about suicide and how many great Cheap Trick songs are about possible suicide i think right. can't hold on is insanely brilliant but that yes, goes back to, to rick's you know mad genius in the at that time period mm-hmm. i don't know where that stuff was coming from but holy shit yeah yeah that song is unbelievable yeah yeah mm-hmm. well here's my thoughts on final days robin sings the blues the harmonica is blistering and rick's guitar is so damn good this kind of has a white albumish feel and I'm going to try and lay off ish because I've used it like three or four times now, but the lyric really jumps at me. It seems so it's been so it seems so long because uh, that's the agony of the world we live in at times. Right. Uh, Final yeah. days features the harmonica from Grammy award nominated singer and wet Willie frontman Jimmy Hall. So, Fantastic. And to me, we've talked about this as an album. This seems like where you would flip the album over, right? This seems like it would be the last song on side one. So I don't know how that's going to work on the vinyl that actually is out. I'm a CD man. I think the vinyl is double, right? Probably. I'm a CD man, which I'm trying to figure out how to sing it like I'm a California man. But CD is such a, <laughs> I'm a compact disc man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That didn't work. Okay, edit that out. You yeah, tried. I tried. I tried. Failed. <laughs> Failed fabulously. Here's, here's how the vinyl goes. The first side is called Other Side, and it goes tracks one through seven. The second side is called This Side, and it goes tracks eight through 13. Hmm. That is cool. And it's just, uh, and now this is, 
what I'm I'm getting this off of, there's a picture disc available exclusively through Target. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm reading this, and I'm reading it right from the actual disc. Fantastic. Is it? <laughs> well, it's fantastic that you got that information. No, I know. <laughs> it's fantastic-ish. It's fantastic-ish. It's fantastic-ish. It's fantastic. So up next is track seven, So It Goes. Amazed the time flies by so fast or so it seems If mountains pour into the sea I thought there'd still be you and me And so it goes cramp your thoughts on so it goes very sparse arrangement mm-hmm. uh, and i i'm not sure but it sounds like rick might have broken out his old mellotron for this song for some of the sounds we're hearing in the background eventually um it's a nice melody it's a great showcase for robin i mean like i said i think robin is great on this whole record and you know, he, like, this is a totally different sounding Robin that we get on this song. You know, so he just fits his voice to it. Pretty brave, because there's not a whole lot besides his vocal, especially at the beginning of the song. So it's just very kind of um, vulnerable, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love the song, but I definitely like it. Pat Francis. Uh, my note is, uh, well, I like the song. Thumbs up. I just put uh, great vocals. Robin still got it. Yep. Damn right he does. This is one of those songs that is similar to, in scope, something that John Lennon might have done on the first couple solo albums that he had done, or maybe even on the White Album. Uh, love the sound of the guitar, and the echo that is on it is just perfect. Perfection. Robin nails it. God, it's such a good song. And it just makes me feel so good to hear this. So thank you, Cheap Trick. Thank you so much. Thumbs up around the table? Yeah. Yeah. Since we're doing a round table, it is around the table. (laughs) Thumbs up-ish? No, it's thumbs up all the way. So there we go. Fantastic song. Even though we've not discussed this one so much, it's almost like Mandicello in a way. Mm Mm-hmm. Just something special that's unique to itself. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in that vein, if you will. Not saying it's as good or better or anything. 
but it, it, it reminds me of that song in that sense. Make sense? Definitely. Yeah. Yep. People are going to love it. I think people are going to love it. You know, I think fans are in for a treat with this album. And yeah, yeah. The, the weird thing is that when you first hear it, it doesn't hit you. But after a while, it's like, damn, this is just a really good album. The album or the song? The album. No, it hit me right away. I mean, those, you know, quit waking me up into another world. I was immediately like, this is already way uh, a million times better than the last two albums. Just immediately, you know. Not that those albums didn't have great stuff on it. It's just. They didn't have great stuff. On no, it, it had some. <laughs> I love Floating Down, man. Floating Down is killer. I love that song. Nah, I wouldn't call it great. And it doesn't, it's just... Well, you're wrong. You're allowed to be wrong. It just doesn't sound like a Cheap Trick song. I like it. I like that song, kind of, but I don't know. Brian Cramp is wrong. Look, I love that you two guys are close enough that you can argue about those other two albums. And all I can say is, I agree with one of you. <laughs> all i'll say i don't want to mix it up i'll just say you know one of you i agree with well that's okay that's the beautiful thing about music and art is that we all see it and hear it differently and we like what we like the heart wants what it wants that's why there are all those categories on pornhub that may not be for you <laughs> we've talked about dax and rick and robin i i'm not sure how how Tom is being represented on this record. I, I feel like the bass is, I, I don't know, lost in the mix or loud in the mix or, or how are you guys feeling uh, so far after seven songs? He's not given a lot of moments to shine. No. So far, at least, uh, especially because Robin and Rick are just killing it. Yeah. On this record. So, but funny, you should mention that because the next song, what? light up the fire we get the 12 string bass baby yeah the opening Light Up the Fire, it's classic Tom Peterson on Light Up the Fire, track eight. Pat Francis, your thoughts on Light Up the Fire, the third single. Okay, when this was first dropped to YouTube or wherever where we could hear it, mm -hmm. I was just like, it was, it was kind of a shrug for me. I'm like, all right, okay. But, uh, but I do like it, but it's, um, it's not my favorite on the album. It's not one of my favorites on the album. Like the two songs they dropped were not my favorites, which um, which sometimes I like because if the single is the only good song on the album, you know what I mean? Then yeah. that sucks. So, but yeah, I, I I like it, but it's not one of my favorites. But I 
but I do like it. It's a thumbs up for me. Well, you know, in this day and age, are those singles? Or I, <laughs> I don't even know how that what that yeah, what the I don't dynamic know. I mean, is anymore. You know, I always, um, yeah, I I know what you're saying. I just feel like if they're dropping it, yeah, no, it's a song. It's they, like uh, I, I yeah, because if you're gonna pick singles from this record, the the what they put out as quote singles right, make no set, like mind boggling. Right, but, uh, exactly. But if it feels to me like in this day and age, they're like we got to put out the heavy shit. <laughs> Because yeah. that's who we want to attract. They're not because we're not going to have a hit with a pop song. It's not. I mean, in this day and age, it's just not even in the cards, unfortunately, or whatever. So there. So it seemed like the motivation was put out the heavy shit and then they'll buy it. I don't know, but mm. but yeah, there are definite singles on this record, and that's not what they put out. <laughs> so. Right. Light Up the Fire was released on January 28th, and this is also the day that we got the announcement of the album title and the track listing, so that was a cool day. This song, to me, it's it's almost like a whirl or a, a drone, right? I almost feel like I'm on an amusement ride, on two different amusement rides. One is like just spinning me around and making me almost want to get sick. And that is not an indicator of me liking the song or not. I'm saying that it, it has that disorienting feel almost like what the, the cover looks like, how the, the checkerboard pattern is swirling. That's almost yeah. what this song sounds like. You're on, like you're on a tilt a whirl. You know what I mean? And then they get to that fantastic patented cheap trick moment, stamp it, trademark ting, turn it around. Right. That's when it sounds like cheap trick 100 percent. And then it goes right back into that Tom Peterson driven groove that goes back to that swirling thing again. So it's almost like that pre-chorus is the only time that we get to, like, not be dizzy in this song, if you will. The rest of it just is a constant spins. You're just always turning and turning and turning. Yeah. But that turn it around, oh, so damn good. And, of course, the the fun lyric of the song is, are you looking for heaven while I'm one hell of a time, right? So that's kind of fun. That is fun. So thumbs up around, or how does that work out for you all? Well, I kind of agree with Pat's shrug on this one. Please log your thumb. (laughs) I would still give it a thumbs up because it's it's still better than – than what we've had in the past. <laughs> I think it's the closest, well, besides the first song, it's the closest sound comes to the last couple. Yeah. yeah. I will also say when any of my favorite bands drop a song four months before the album release, I really only listen to it like once. Because mm-hmm. if I listen to it over and over and over, by the time the album is released, I automatically want to skip that one. Right. You I really don't like, want to get invested early. You'd rather right, right. have so it I'll as, as a piece of art. Absolutely. So I, that's just me. Maybe that's because I'm an old school guy, but I'll listen to it once or twice. And then, then I almost forget it until the album comes out and then it's fresh again. But, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I, a, a thumbs up, but, um, but not my favorite on the album. 
Well, I say, you know, I say, because I don't think the chorus is great on this song. And the analogy I make is if, if you think about this, the guitar solo and smells like teen spirit, and then you say, okay, how would the chorus melody of this song sound as a guitar solo? <laughs> when, you know, there's not much to do. You know, it wouldn't be so, it's not, there's not a great melody on the chorus. I agree with Ken about the bridge, but. There's also not really a solo, right? <laughs> Which, to be honest with you, if I were going to sequence this album, this might have been the first song because it's got, it lets you know you're listening to Cheap Trick in the sense that uh, it's almost com- comparable to Sick Man of Europe in a way. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. has some of that punch and drive. It lets you know that you're listening to, okay, this band has a drummer, this band has this awesome bass player, this band has Robin, and it's got Rick Nielsen. The only thing that doesn't work is that the solo is just Rick doing one of those where he just kind of, you know, stumbles around the stage solos. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a Rick it's a sloppy it's a sloppy Rick solo. It's mm-hmm. a patented sloppy Rick solo. So he knows what he's doing. It's <laughs> it's not like it's just like he didn't care. But there's times that when he's on stage that he'll do this thing <laughs> where it's like, what is going on with him? And you know that he's doing his own thing. Yeah, that it makes me think of there's a clip on YouTube where Rick comes out with the Foo Fighters and they do Ain't That a Shame. Oh. And Rick is noodling. And I was thinking of the crowd at Foo Fighters who don't really know Cheap Trick. Must have been like, this guy sucks. Because <laughs> he's doing his patented Rick just... Yeah. crazy guitar playing he's not even playing that song right and i was wondering how is this going over with the average foo fighter fan who don't, aren't really familiar with who rick nielsen is or anything you know <laughs> yeah he he really is his, his own man i mean when i when i see a live show yeah i sometimes i'm just like what 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 is he doing what is going on but it's not like when you watch when you would watch eddie van halen and you're like Oh my God! What is he doing? How is he doing that, <laughs> Rick? I'm just like, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's why Tom needed the twelve string bass because you had to keep a, the song going when Rick right. was just off, off, off the rails. wherever he was. Yeah. <laughs> I often think back to when he would have the like five guitars strapped to him, and I don't mean the five neck. I'm talking right, back yeah, when he would do individual that. Individual guitars. And yeah. they were playing a festival with Ted Nugent, and I think Ted was the next act. So Rick does this thing with the five guitars, and it's just like noise and like making fun of being a <laughs> yeah. strutting cock of the walk guitarist, you know, like, oh, here I am, and now I'm going to make fuck faces, you know. <laughs> and he was like, take that Fred Nugent. (laughs) It was just like upsetting the apple cart. Here's your whole fucking thing. Flip it over. Yeah. You know, I can make goofy faces too. So just a a, a much better song than when I, when I first heard it, let's put it that way. Cause when I first heard it, I'm like, this is it. Yeah. I I would probably give this one a sideways thumb. When this song came out, I think we were all like, oh, this is going to be the one that's going to turn it around. <laughs> but, you know, it, but it, it eventually is that song to me. So I, I love it. I really dig it. This yeah. song did not get me excited for the new album. No, me neither. I just want all bands outside of ACDC to stop writing songs about fire. <laughs> <laughs> There's just certain words that sound good, obviously. Right, right. You know. <laughs> Like around and down. 
But there's a lot of songs about fire. I mean, we've got the flame for God's sakes. Yeah. The ultimate song about burning. So anyway. <laughs> so our next track, Passing Through. your thoughts on passing through well this is tom's moment to shine right mm -hmm. the bass is very prominent this sounds like a tom peterson written song to me like a like dream the night away mm -hmm. kind of feel. yeah that's in my notes i wrote uh, this sounds this is a rockford type song mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i wanted like all those years like there's those god that's so good i think dream the night away and all those years were both like tom, they came from tom you know uh, he they, they started with him at least i think um, and I bet this song too, probably Tom came in with something and then they, you know, they turned it into this would be my guess. But yeah, yeah. You know, this sounds like a cheap trick song. It's a, it's a really good song and great guitar solo section from Rick with some w weird staccato stuff he does. And uh, yeah, it's a ethereal, big sounding song. I like it. Well yeah. produced. Everything about it. It's really good. Pat Francis. Yeah, just a great song, great Robin vocal, great lyrics. Uh, it, what's sad is when BJ just named those two Rockford songs, I just kind of sighed to myself because we like this album, but man, it's not, it's still not Rockford. Jeez, I love That's that record. Sweet. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, but it's closer to Rockford than the Christmas album. And, <laughs> you know, so I'll take it. I find it interesting that. At the end of So It Goes, you're saying, is Tom on this album? And of course he's on this album, but the next two songs immediately feature him. Like he's right. a, an integral mm -hmm. player in both of the uh, song Light Up the Fire and Passing Through. Those are Tom Peterson. He's almost featured. And I love the trippy sound to this song. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. The bass is just amazing. And you get the feeling that this band really likes to work together. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, you get that they got a vibe, they've got a groove, they've they know what works and what doesn't. Uh, lyrically, did you love me, or was your heart just passing through the smile on your face, but not in your eyes? I can see it now. Your heart's just passing through. Yikes! Ouch. Yeah. Then a wave that that rushing wave that goes right into the guitar solo. I love how they did that. It's like they take you out of this one moment, and then Rick is the standard. It goes from like here's the band to like spotlights on Rick, and Rick takes what is basically a standard '60s time signature. I don't know how else to describe it. Forgive me not having the musicality to put the thought out like I want to, 
but Rick is playing what I'm going to call a standard 60s guitar solo, but he plays around with the form of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he does some interesting stuff on this. Let's play a little bit of that here. So I think it's just a really great track. And again, had this song not been on this album at this spot, I don't know how I would feel about it, but that's the way it is. Like, for example, when I heard the first Cheap Trick album, going back all those years ago, right? Not every song hit me as the way I feel about that song now then. Does that make sense? Right. Mm -hmm. But over time that thing became this thing that doesn't sound right alone. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It becomes this thing that you build up in your own head, which is why we love those albums so much is that we've had all this time to grow with them and we've made our own head canon and our own feeling canon, if you will. So it's, it's almost impossible for a new album to come in and sit on the shelf with everything else. But, I'm really digging this. Up next is track 10. Here's Looking At You. Your thoughts on track 10, Here's Looking at You. <laughs> this is great. This is like an 80s Cheap Trick song. Yes. Like what I wrote is you could put this on one-on-one -on -one or an exposition, please, and it would fit. It would totally fit, you know? Mm -hmm. I actually, I like the melody of the verse even more than the chorus. It's not big hooks on the chorus, but it's a really fun song. And it's like any Cheap Trick fan is going to like this, <laughs> right? This is just... This is, you know, a, it's a it's a pretty basic cheap trick song, but it's it's a cheap trick song that's for sure. And uh, 
it's good. I like it a lot. We talk sometimes about Cheap Trick referencing their other songs in their catalogs, right? Moments. This has a she's tight type of a riff going at the very beginning. And then it drifts into that Dream Police Surrender kind of uh, keyboard thing going on. So it's it's got those cheap trick moments. Pat Francis, your thoughts on Here's Looking at You, track 10. I just put, I, I like it. It's super catchy. I, I yeah. like it a lot. Yeah. No way out of here alive, right? Then the shuffle drum beat, which revs back up into a blistering solo from Rick. Thank you, Dax, for these very cool moments. Love them, love them, love them. Thumbs up. Good guy, uh, good drummer. Glad to have him aboard. Yeah, you said at the beginning that we've all been vaccinated. This album has been daxinated. Hey! <laughs> check it that. out. Look at that. We got a t-shirt there. Get, get, get daxinated. Right? <laughs> Tracy, run with it. Okay. Which, by the way, this is a time to plug one of our Cheap Talk staff members, Tracy Yashulis, has a Dax group that you should check out if you're a fan of Dax. It is the destination for you on Facebook, so check it out. Up next, track 11, Another World, The Reprise. <laughs> time it's the same song right it's it's the same exact lyrics isn't it yeah yeah so it's the same exact song but it's like if it were the theme song of the tv show another world right so yeah it's got that uh spark to it it's a frantic almost punkish version of the earlier track it's a party version of what came earlier my favorite lyrics are if we lived in another time and i'm hoping that we do that's something that jumped out at me in the fast version that didn't necessarily jump out at me the same way because this song is upbeat. This song is like, let's rock this thing. So Pat Francis, your thoughts on track 11, another world reprise. Well, this is my favorite song on the album. Um, and again, like I said, I, I wish this would have opened the album. I always like when a title track opens the album, you know, dream police, uh, for example, Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I love this song so so good. Love the lyrics. Love both versions. Love this one just a little bit better. Doesn't mean it's better or worse than the other version. I think they're equal, but I just like this one a lot. This would be this would be a tread treadmill song for me. Oh, there you go. So uh, thumbs up. 
Logging your thumbs, gentlemen. Thumbs up. I agree with everything Pat said. This is probably my favorite. I love both versions. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this, you know, what was missing from the last couple albums is there wasn't any song that I would put on a Cheap Trick playlist. If I was making somebody a CD of my favorite Cheap Trick songs to try to get them into the band, I wouldn't put anything from Bang Zoomer. We're all all right. I might put a few songs from this record, including this song. This song is fucking great. And, you know, Rick on the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that, yes. I mean, how, how could you not love that? Yeah, this is so great. Uh, the, this is, you know, I would call this one of my favorite Cheap Trick songs. This song is amazing. I love it. And I was thinking, you know, they did the Neil Young thing, you know, on Russ Never Sleeps. He did the mellow version of um hey hey my my at the beginning the first song and then at the end is the heavy version and then i think he did the same thing on freedom with rocking in the free world so that's what that was what i was thinking is you got the mellow version early at the beginning of the album and then towards the end you got the you know the heavy the fast version i don't know if that was if they were thinking about that neil young dynamic or not but that's kind of what i maybe because it is it is weird to put this at the end because it's so great you know, it would be a great opening song, I agree. Very good. So we've logged in our thumbs. Always good to log your thumb. Up next is track 12, I'll See You Again. Just rest your eyes. I'll see you again. Just close your eyes. I'll see you again. This song really hit me hard. To me, this is a song of loss, love, and care. And I know that this song probably was not written about saying goodbye to someone during COVID. It but sure seems lyrics, like it. Yeah, but these lyrics read to me about a good friend of mine, someone I love very much, and how she had to say goodbye to her mother who passed from COVID. Many of us have lost people during this time, and this song reminds me of that. Uh, this song goes back to songs like Shelter that Robin did, where he is very tender and very open. Um, he goes places that only some artists can go like John Lennon, where he's a, he allows himself to be fragile. That says something about the strength of his art and his talent. Um, it's also reminiscent of the song sleep forever. Better. Yeah. It's a, it's a similar thing as yeah, short song about loss yeah, or death. Yeah. So it's, it's similar to that. Brian Cramp, your thoughts on I'll See You Again. And Tom's voice is really prominent on this song, right? Yes. And are you guys, do you guys like the final cut, the the last Pink Floyd album with Roger Waters? Yes. Um, did you hear in this song, 
I'm not sure who does it, but at one point they say, I'll see you again. And I heard it sounded exactly like Roger Waters. And it sounded like one of those songs from the wall or the final cut. But mm-hmm. I just I heard that maybe it's maybe it's more if you have it in, in your earbuds or something where you hear it. Did you guys catch that part? I did not catch that part. Yeah, it was real. It was it was real subtle, but it was it really hit me in because those that the final cut is really sad uh, album, too. And it's about loss, you know, and about the um, a lot about the death of his father and stuff. So it seemed kind of um, uh, to fit fitting. I don't know if it was if that's what they were doing, but it really it sounded like Roger Waters said, "I'll see you again," you know, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, this is a really, you know, they end the album here with this, and then like, uh, you know, classic protest song. I mean, they're making a statement here about how could this not be about the pandemics? So I so when was this done? When was this song done? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's uh, who I, who knows. Yeah, for a band to be this far in their career and still put something on the plate that makes you want to know this stuff really matters. Because a lot of music that comes out, we really don't care about, to be honest with you. And I'm blessed. Over the last so many months, we've got Paul Stanley's Soul Station coming out. Mickey Dolan sings Nesmith. That's another thing that I'm into. ACDC's album, Bruce Springsteen's album. Uh, just There's a lot of great stuff going on, right? And now we have a Cheap Trick album as well. Uh, it's amazing for what my record collection looked like in 1978 or 1988 for it to kind of be looking the same, right, in some ways that the new stuff, Paul McCartney had his uh, McCartney 3 album. So some of my favorite musicians are able to thank God for those that are still here, right? Because like Bowie's no longer with us and so many others. And Alice Cooper, not my favorite Alice Cooper album, but I'm I'm glad that it's he's still doing it. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Thank God for music, man. I don't know how I would have got through this time. And though we're not completely over it yet, thank God god for music thank god for everybody who loves music thank god for you guys for anyone that listens to these shows and my fellow co-host in any of the shows it's been hard to podcast through this time and with everything from digital rights getting in your way to uh, just the anger of people at times being told what you should and shouldn't say and it just kind of makes me want to shut down but i'm so grateful that i have music and I want to thank you all for being part of this with me. So I love you all. Thumbs up all the way around. Yep. Thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a short, you know, statement. Yeah. It's weird. You say it's a short song, but like how long was uh, heartbreak hotel or, you know, yeah. it's longer than those songs probably. Two minutes and forty nine seconds. It's it's weird. I think that's one of the things we've lost in I'm gonna call the modern age of music. Somewhere in you know, and I can blame the Beatles, right? They did uh, they refused to do an edit on Hey Jude and Let It Be, so that you couldn't get a forty five version, if you will. And uh, 
it seems like we all seem to want that five, six minute song. And to be honest with you, don't bore us after the chorus sometimes might be as good of a saying as, <laughs> uh, you know, brevity is the soul of wit, right? So it's also maybe the um, uh, soul of, of rock. I've said this before on podcasts, but imagine a five minute and 28 version of Day Tripper. It's just not a good song anymore. Uh, so that's just a thought. Speaking of some British people, our next track, as Brian mentioned, is a protest song. Give me some truth. The John Lennon classic. Those are some uh, heavy shoes to have to fill. How do they do, Pat Francis? Well, I, I've never like I never really cared for the original that much. I don't think we need it on this album. They they've made their own statement in their own words. Uh, I know this was released as a digital single, and I wish it would have stayed that way. And I'm not, um, you know, I haven't been that into the last few covers cheap trick has done on the recent albums i did not like their version of the in crowd i did not really care for blackberry way that much which was a bonus track on the japanese version of uh the last proper studio album and yeah this one just um i would have rather the album ended with i'll see you again it seems like the perfect song to end the album with so i don't really need give me some truth and i don't know where i would have put give me some truth within the context of this album either. Uh, if this was a Japanese bonus track, I would accept it, but I really feel that this album should just be 12 songs and end with, I'll see you again. Well, that's the beauty with the modern technology. You literally can resequence your album. I can, or I can just fast forward uh, away from Give Me Some Truth, but yeah, uh, thumbs down. Now, see, I think it's perfect. It's a natural fit. It's so damn good. It is, I think, a classic song. I also like what Robin did live uh, with this song before the world was in lockdown. Instead of saying, no son of Tricky Dicky, he would say, no son of Dumpy Trumpy, right? So, <laughs> you know. He definitely was making a statement every time they performed that. Your mileage will vary as to how you feel about that, but I'm quite fine with it. I'm glad to have this song on this album. I don't know if this is where I would have put it, but I think it's a great song. Love the song. Love their performance. And I think we also have... Uh, off this version of Give Me Some Truth, which was originally released for Record Store Day Black Friday 2019, and it features the guitar sound of the Sex Pistols member Steve Jones. So 
there you go. It's uh, something I dig. So Brian Cramp, I, I, and unlike you, Pat, I'm glad to have it in physical form. So I'll take it. Right. But you almost do get the feeling that it's a bonus track. Yeah. Well, because I'll see you again is the obvious end. Yeah, to the album. Yeah, I agree with Pat. I uh, I wouldn't put this... I, I would say end it with I'll see you again, and people have this anyways. I totally disagree with Ken. I would not want this anywhere else in the album except at the end. Yeah, me but too. Sorry, Ken. There's an obvious reason. Fine, be that way. Both of you. <laughs> <laughs> There's an obvious reason that they chose to put this song out when they did. So uh, going back to when we were discussing in another world, whether or not in another world was, you know, that's why they chose this song yeah. <laughs> when they did to put it out. So I fully right. support that. I support <laughs> it too. I support their right to do it and their right to release it as a digital single. And the but... 45, right? There was a 45. Yeah, so All that stuff. But yeah, just leave it like that. There's uh, tacking it on the end. Kind of pointless. No, I need it on my CD, man. You do your trip. I'm a CD guy. <laughs> I'm a CD man. <laughs> hey, I got it. I did it. I made it work. Ish. <laughs> The last two albums, stu- proper studio albums, did have Japanese bonus tracks, but I don't think, or I haven't heard or seen anything that this one does. Right, yeah. Aren't you surprised that uh, Rebel Rebel, the Bowie classic that they did, that that's not released as a bonus track? Yeah, yeah. different producer, though. Jack Douglas produced that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, here's what I, I do want to say this about about the album it's been over 40 years now since tom has sang a song on a cheap trick studio album and i really wish that would happen so that it would give tom something new to sing in concert that isn't for that reason (laughs) or isn't you know i know what i want and um and obviously tom's voice isn't robin's voice but he he brings like a something cool and different to the party and and may, look maybe maybe he doesn't want to maybe every time they record they go tom are you going to sing this time and he goes nah i'm fine you know what i mean who knows but i i would love it as a fan for tom to to sing a song on every album really but at least one song give it to us give me some truth <laughs> we need some more tom peterson man you know, it's weird because I think that the last two proper studio albums were all right and bang, zoom, crazy. I think that we were left wanting more Rick Nielsen, and I think we're getting it on this album. So on the next one, a little bit more, need a little bit more of Tom <laughs> Peterson, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So give us another Tom lead vocal track. Yeah, just one. Yeah, exactly. Even if that's the bonus track. Mm-hmm. Works. Now, this is going to be frowned upon what I'm going to say because I don't think you guys agree with this. All right. Um, I, I still think the mix of this album is a little muddy. Uh, like a lot of song, like it's just like there's not a lot of separation between the four individuals. And maybe, you know, and obviously I'm thinking of classic cheap trick production like Dream Police or something, but. It's just, it's, it's still a noisy record to me. I think that, I think the textures are there, but they aren't coming through 
as perfectly as they could in the the mix that we're getting. Does that make sense at all? Well, I had a thought about this too, and I think that it just may come down to how they're mastering albums uh, mm-hmm. in the last 10, 12 years or whatever. Right. Everything's mixed for MP3 as opposed to mixed for CD and or vinyl. Right. For Across the board for the most part. I think it's yeah. a... And it's a detriment to people's uh, enjoyment. Sometimes when you get into the pool or the, the water, you want to go in... But if if you're running into a wave that's going to smack you back to the shore, that's what modern mastering is. Yeah. It doesn't allow you to get in. It just knocks you on your ass. Right. So. Great way to put it. Something to think about record companies while you're still alive. Think about it. It might save you. So as we said earlier, this is Cheap Trick's 20th studio album. In another world, arriving via BMG. Now, it's available on standard black vinyl and CD. There's a limited edition blue and white splattered vinyl that will be available at independent record stores nationwide. If you haven't gotten it by now, you may not be able to, so good luck with that. In addition, a limited edition picture disc will be available exclusively via Target, which is what you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So check that out. Grab that. Get that amazingly wonderful now that's what i call cheap trick uh (laughs) kind of cover and there you go so there we are you're not listening to the cover folks i'll say that about this you're not listening to the cover you're not Um, wrong (laughs) and i'm also no longer taking the record out and opening up the gatefold probably most people probably won't that pick this up. On the other hand, who knows? It's different times for sure, right? The, the way the way we get our drug is different over time. The band photos that are are also on the I, probably on the back of the album are mm-hmm. great. I love I love the four band photos. Yes, and of course you can see that they have joined the rock star hat of the month club. Yes, <laughs> because I don't know what it is about classic rock artists, but you can see that everybody gets, uh, you know, I, I think it's a very exclusive club, right? There's only certain people that are allowed to get in it. Like I was looking at the Paul Stanley Soul Station. Some of the members of the band were allowed to get the exclusive classic rock uh, weird hat of the month club. So. Well, if I have if I have a luxurious head of hair like a Ken Mills, I'm never putting a hat on. <laughs> well, you know, it's good genes, right? Yeah. But this is this is the way it goes. You have just the right amount of luxuriousness in your hair. Uh, you know, for a 57-year-old man, I'll take what I have. You my and brother... I are doing pretty good for a couple 57-year-old dudes. My brother was was bald at 24, so I'm happy with what's <laughs> yeah. Every day you can comb your hair, you're like, fucking A, this is it. Ken, every day is a gift. Every day <laughs> is a gift. <laughs> so there we are. Thanks for having you on, guys. Thanks for doing this with us. No, thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah. We want to let people know that you've had some great guests on your show. You had Brian Johnson 
of ACDC on your show, listen to that episode. We will put that in the links uh, on the, the the Facebook feed. Look for that. Yeah, just click click right in there. You should check that out. Yeah, I mean, every every time you get a guest, it helps you get the next guest. And so mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate this past year to have amassed quite an amazing list of guests via zoom. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I just feel, I just feel lucky and I'm, and I've, uh, I've been so excited with uh, how the past year has gone uh, podcast wise. Yeah. Because you never did an interview that wasn't in person until the pandemic, right? No, I was adamant that I would not do it. I was never going to do it. And then I had to pivot as we've all had to pivot with different things. And it's been a joy. It's, uh, you know, I do it through Zoom because I have to see the person. I have to look at them so that I know if what kind of reaction my question might have elicited. Should I continue <laughs> down this path or should <laughs> I move to something else? But every every interview has been so good this year. I've I've had such a great time with, you know, Mike Reno and Cy Kernan and Brian Johnson. Real good guy, by the way, Cy Kernan. So, so nice. Dave Perner and, you know, Lee Rocker, Liz Fair, Vernon Reed, Patty Smythe, Rob Halford, Jeff Downs, Steve Stevens. If I can, uh, I'm tooting my own horn a lot, but I just want you people to go. And if you like any of the artists I, I mentioned, go listen to those. I think, I think you enjoy them because those people really seem to have fun. And a lot of the interviews were felt like we were just having a chat like Pat yeah, Halford is mm-hmm. such a crazy nice guy too. I've heard him on a couple of podcasts since his book came out and wow. Yeah. He seems so great. And uh, fantastic. And at the time of this record, I have not, I have not recorded with this person yet, but he's, he's on the books and scheduled. It's Klaus Mina from Scorpion. So I, awesome. I'm excited for that one. So, yeah. Very good. Listening to the rock solid podcast <laughs> with Scorpions. <laughs> When the pandemic is over, I can't wait to get back to in-person interviews again. But now I am definitely open to reaching out to the people who don't right. live in Los Angeles because everyone doesn't live in Los Angeles. Right. So I will just I will keep doing the occasional uh, Zoom interview as well. And you can go to rocksolidpodcast.com and follow the show at Rock Solid Show on Twitter. And that's all the promoting I'm doing. And you may even hear uh, Ken Mills do a really cool David Lee Roth imitation. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I forget which episode that is, Ken, because once I record an episode, it's <laughs> out of my head. I don't even remember. People email me and say, oh, my God, I just listened to this. And it was so funny when you guys said this. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was an episode about the favorite Van Halen songs, I believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was just on one podcast. Yeah, you were there as well, BJ. And uh, I got to do my patented David Lee Roth imitation. and It was uh, great. I was shocked I, when I heard it. Oh, it's amazing. I, I was really shocked. I was it's like, amazing. I was like, I was like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah, Oh, God. It's me, Diamond David Lee Roth. Yes, I am. Yeah. You are listening to the one and only Rock Solid Podcast. And you can only hear it here. Woo! I will say one more thing. My 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 last in person guest was Leif Garrett, and uh, it was right when this start, thing started to like 
bubble and we were like, we were talking about it. Like what's this COVID and blah, blah, blah. And so my hope is that my first in-person guest will be Leif Garrett. Oh, that'd be cool. That, yeah, that's, that would be cool. That's a wrap around to the yes, world. Exactly. Well, if you get Chrissy Hine back in that studio, you better have her sign something for me because I'm still crushing, babe. Still love you. Yeah, we uh, need things like that, don't we? Because, like I said, don't we all have PTSD at this point? Yeah. And we need to somehow get past this. And doing something like that, Pat, I think is a great thing to to say we made it. You know? Yeah, we made it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he uh, and what's cool, you know, I record at the house now. He lives like a couple of miles from my house. So, and he's the kind of a chill guy that will definitely just come to the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. There's been a pandemic. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, all the things he's gone through, this is probably on the, not even in his top 10. Oh yeah. Right. Right. right <laughs> yeah. Right. His behind the music. I remember was a classic. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, this was a long episode, but that's how we do it. We do it long and hard. This album deserves a long episode, man. It's great. That's right. And Cheap Trick, thank you so much for this gift of music. It is so good. I hope that you're rewarded by fans purchasing it. I encourage you, support what you love. Support what you love. You want it to be there, right? Support what you love. So we look forward to getting back on the road with Cheap Trick and coming together when it's safe. And um, Cheap Trick has some dates coming up in Australia. So, fantastic. Well, thank you for being on the show today, Pat. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you don't like what was said, I'm sorry. Don't be such a snowflake, right? These things happen. (laughs) Come cancel me. Come cancel me. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Blocked. Okay. All right. Well, we want to thank you once again for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of Cheap Talk. We'll be back with stuff from uh, what I'm calling lovably the Cheap Talk B team, which is Tracy and Robert. They're doing some stuff. We want to open things up. And we will have some other stuff from Peter Ciceri over at the I Love It Loud podcast and Ralph Vieira from the Vieira Vault. We will be playing some of their Cheap Trick content right here. We want this to be the hub where Cheap Trick fans can, like, subscribe, get it all. So there you go. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all in the next episode of Cheap Talk. Say see you, guys. See ya. See you, guys. Good night now, ladies and gentlemen. Good night now, ladies and gents. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking. I was honored that you played my David Lee Roth imitation. I thought you might think it was too too out there. Oh, come on, Ken. It's fucking... Ken. Even if it would have, even if it would have sucked, I would have played it because I don't ask people to contribute and then not play it. But it was great. I listened to it. I'm like, ah, for a second, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not. Can't. And it was just, it was really, it was great. I loved it. Right here on Dave TV. <laughs> BJ, how do I get out of here? <laughs> I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Pat. I will take care, and guys. Bye. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye.